Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Episode 153, as always, I'm joined by Jordan. Greetings and salutations, Jared. It's great to have you back on the show. How are you today? I'm doing great, and returning this week after a week-long hiatus, Dom. What's up, Dom? Praise the sun. Praise the sun. Uh, since you weren't with us last week, how about you start us off and let us know what you've been playing? Oh boy, do I have an exciting list of uh, no Nothing. new games. <laughs> Just a whole lot of Red Dead Redemption 2. Cool. And um, it's still Red Dead 2. So, Who's uh, who's your good. favorite of the Vanderling gang so far? Uh, okay, of our gang? I mean... Not Arthur Morgan. Like, he's excluded, obviously, like anybody else. Sure. Uh, John what Marston about John like Marston? A, yeah. I, he's kind of like a... Ugh. Micah is pretty interesting. I can't stand him. But, in, you know what I mean? That makes him interesting. Yeah. Because um, he's kind of... He kind of brings light to where, like, Dutch, you can tell, is, like, an absolute scumbag, but kind of, like, has this front of, like, justifying, and he's got himself convinced of what everything they do is, you know, for a good reason. You know, I don't that typical thing, and Arthur's kind of somewhere in the middle, but then Micah is just kind of like, let's go fuck shit up. Or, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I bust him out of jail. Literally, like, hook a... Spoilers for chapter... Whatever. I, I hook a like a winch or whatever, up to the wall of this, you know, western jail and oh, just and pull the wall out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then we're like, you know, like, let's escape. And he's like, well, hang on. And then we, like, take a detour. And, and meanwhile, shooting, like, everyone in this town because they're all, ch- like, just just manslaughter, just murder all over just so he could go and steal his guns back from this guy. And, like, I, I don't know. It was interesting. Um, everything that goes on is really super interesting. It's, it's weird. The simplest missions are super engage it reminds me a lot of uh, the witcher 3 um but there's it's smaller it's a smaller cast of characters it's not necessarily like at least so far it's not like you know random side quests where an old woman is interesting um yeah i really like him so far but i have only done one mission now with sadie adler and um that's my favorite character sadie adler yeah right at the beginning you can tell like oh yeah she's gonna be interesting um but i've not done it seen uh done enough uh you know, had enough with her yet, but I'm sure she'll be pretty cool. Her and uh, Charles, who's the Native American, they're my two favorite. Characters. Oh yeah, Charles is pretty cool too. There's a lot of cool characters in this game. Like, yeah, at, yeah. Molly O'Shea, I think, is the Irish girl, and yeah, Bill Williamson, obviously. Seems like y'all are forgetting game. about old John Marston. John Wait. Marston is kind of like a. Uh, I don't really care about him to be honest. <laughs> yeah. He's just. I don't know. I may have been relegated to a side character in this particular game. It's funny, though, because of the like the period of video game storytelling that the original Red Dead came out in. It was, like, right before, like, the uh, Last of Us Uncharted, like, wave, right? Of it really wow. getting into it. Uh, Red Dead 2 does a lot more for John Marston's character than the first Red Dead game did. Damn. It, like, retroactively... But even though this That's is cool. a prequel, yeah, it, it's it does a lot more. Well, for it shows character. you like what he was in the life that he's constantly referencing in the first game. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything else other than Red Dead? Done. No, that's all I've been playing. I, I I would point out I we turned it back on HBO, so I mean, and we've been watching the hell out of just HBO in general. So watch all of Big Little Lies, which is excellent. And it's a travesty that they're not doing a third season. But also watched Euphoria. There's actually oh, one there's more episode. Show? 
Yeah, there's one more episode still to come out in this first season. I assume there's it's just the first season. I don't know if they're doing more or not, but that's been super good. Um, I feel like people's criticisms are interesting, but um, it's very realistic, I think. Um, I mean, I've seen all that shit happen, right? Um, yeah. It's not like I, I wasn't personally uh, similar to most of the characters in the show, but like, yeah, that's the kind of shit that happens. It's a good school. show for <laughs> Zendaya in terms of showing her range as an actress so she doesn't just get pigeonholed to, like, the Mary Jane or Michelle Jones role, you know, from the Spider-Man movies. Yeah. It's good for her. Yeah, she's super good. Um, but yeah, I think it's cool in general, um, and I, I hope, like, a lot of parents, frankly, watch it. And, like, I think that there's a lot that goes on that people, uh, parents are oblivious to. Um, I mean, I don't know what high school was like for, like, for, like, our parents, but... I mean, what what goes on in that show is more or less like the shit that I remember seeing. So, but it's have so you, shocking to so many people. Being on HBO, have you dipped your toes into Barry? Because that's a show I also want to dip my toes into, but haven't yet. No, that's yeah, Finish that's that one up. It, it's on the list for me too. I do want to check that out. So, very short season, right? It's like three or four episodes the first season. Three episodes. Barry? No, it's regular. It's like ten. Oh, I thought the first season was like three. Nah. Okay, maybe the site I was looking at was listing them in a weird way yeah my bad but yeah that's that's the gist of it so just more red dead and a bunch of tv shows so nice uh jordan you what have you been doing i think the berry seasons are eight jared eight episodes you're probably right i'm just, it was a weird site too it was like voodoo or something uh or sure, some sure. like weird rental site so i'm just trying to get the number right but uh what i've been playing Gentlemen, what I've been playing is a game called Fire Emblem Three Houses. Really? Okay, cool. I um, I am about 25 hours into this game. Damn. Uh, so you barely started. <laughs> yeah, that came out since our last podcast. Um, and I am clearly enjoying it quite a bit. Um I will say that, I uh, know Dom, you weren't here last week, but basically what I was saying that I think it will be uh, on last week's show was essentially completely correct. Um, that the visuals were not going to be up to par, but that the gameplay itself would be, um, you know, gr- just engaging and fun uh, strategy combat, and that the story uh, may or may not uh, pull me in and um, I will say that probably my biggest complaint is the visuals um, they have and I, I really don't think that this is a um, like power uh, situation with the switch right I really don't think that it has anything to do with the switch's hardware architecture I think it really comes down to artistic design choices that in a lot of situations I think were poorly made choices. Um, things like, for one, I played uh, Fire Emblem uh, Shadows of Valentia, which is the remake, I think, of like one of the very early games. Um, I know it's a remake, I can't remember which one. Uh, but that came out on 3DS within the last couple of years. And... Um, so like for that game and I'm pretty sure any other Fire Emblem game before this if you were looking at a cutscene that would be basically like traditional 2D anime that you would find in 
you know, Jared, you were watching Cowboy Bebop, you know, anything like that, basically, just your run-of-the-mill anime. Yeah. Um, and I really love games like that from Japan, where it's like, well, we're fucking good at anime over here, and, you know, we're tell- we're doing this JRPG in an anime style, the character design, so the cutscenes are just going to be, like, from an anime episode, essentially. You know, uh, the Nino Kuni games, or the Persona games, the list goes on, right? But, um... With this one, they decided, like, in Shadows of Valentia, it's gorgeous 2D cutscenes. They're few and far between, but when you get them, it's, it's great. And with these, they are uh, 3D CG. And especially in anime in particular, that has been a very rocky situation for years now because, um, as you know, 3D animation is much more difficult to nail than 2D animation. And, um, there's been, you know, plenty of situations where it's just gone awry. Uh, for reference, you could look at, like, Berserk 2016, right? Um, that's a good example of really bad 3D animation. Stuff like Knights of Sidonia on Netflix isn't as bad, but, um, yeah. So, um, I wish that they hadn't have done that, especially because the characters being animated the way that they are really does not mesh at all with the backgrounds. Um, For one, the backgrounds are, like, ugly as sin. Like, the textures are just bland as possible. Like, almost to to the point of, like, PS2-looking type shit. And, um, it you know, I'm going very far into this, but it is a big part of the game especially uh, Japanese games like this. I'm very interested in their presentation and um, their user interfaces, things like that, because I think in a lot of time, a lot of situations they nail that. So, um, yeah, that is a bit disappointing. When you're on a battlefield, the battlefield itself looks really bad, and I think that they could have just gone with um, something that may have been a little more timeless and a little more kind of, artsy or stylized um like you see a game like wind waker doing um because this game is not going to age well at all from a visual standpoint so that really sucks and like i said i think it's just because of poor artistic design choices unfortunately so that would be my biggest complaint got that out of the way and now let me just say that um the combat is really great i think that um I guess my other uh, complaint with the game is that a lot of strategy games just get so goddamn intricate and so goddamn detailed uh, with all the different systems and mechanics that you're uh, going through and I feel like this game in particular uh, has that and Fire Emblem games that I've played in the past has that Um, when you're getting into the whole three houses thing where it's basically like uh, you're Imagine being a professor in uh, Harry Potter, essentially, is what it is. Um, You have a house that you're connected with. They go out on the battlefield with you. You're teaching them during the week. You're, uh, you know, basically raising all these bars and these stats as you go. So if you think about it from a video game perspective, it's just like Persona. Because you have your social links, which are called bonds in this game. And you're obviously trying to raise that. That's going to make you better in battle with those particular people, especially. 
Um, but like I said, it just gets so detailed and there's, there's stuff that just ends up being superfluous. And I think I find that in 99.9% .9 of strategy games, which sucks because I've been getting way, way into that genre the last couple of years, and that is the biggest drawback for me. Um, but, like I said, the combat is really great. It's uh, Fire Emblem is not an easy series uh, when it comes to strategy. Most strategy games aren't. Uh, they tend to be very punishing, and... I wouldn't say that Fire Emblem is necessarily punishing because you have the Divine Pulse system which uh, can jump back in time if you need to go back a turn or whatever uh, to fix a mistake and uh, if somebody dies or whatever. Um, but I think that generally it's, it's a really great challenge and it is... Um, the, specifically the combat itself is intricate enough to be to stay interesting uh, but it's not necessarily overbearing if anything is overbearing that would be more the outside stuff like I said with those social links and the motivation levels and all the different stat bars that you're trying to fill so um, there's that but uh, then the story I will just say that it is um, a little more enjoyable than I expected it to be it started out and I thought I was kind of just going to be going through it and experiencing but experiencing it but not uh, falling in love with it and then um, it has picked up and it has gotten more intriguing and caught my attention a little bit more I think that my uh, kind of time spent with the characters has strengthened my interest in them and so that helps but uh, the story itself is also uh, kind of picking up pace where I'm at so that's probably halfway or so I'm not sure what happened with um, the decision we made last week so you we made the decision I let Dom I let Jared choose if I was going to be permadeath or not right oh nice right so Jared I did choose permadeath however I've not so I've had people die but then I've had the divine pulse right so I have used that okay yeah. So is that like, I don't, is that against fair. your wishes? Yeah, is that fair. fair? I felt like that's fair because it's a part of the game. It's not like a only on easy <laughs> mode or anything. That's just well, funny uh, normal. Enough, they actually introduced that in Valentia. Funny enough, Dom, last week when we were talking about it, I was because he presented me the question, so I had to yes. go through in my head all of the reasons why he should or shouldn't write. So I was just loosely talking about it. And the way I was formatting it, you would assume that I was going to be like, definitely don't go permadeath. But I was saying it in a way to actually provide like more strength in the argument for why he should go permadeath. So at the last second, it kind of... Curveball. Exactly. It was pretty cool. Yeah, actually, I watched uh, the Easy Allies review for this game, and, and that was one thing. I forget who wrote the review, but one thing that was mentioned was that even when you do classic mode, they have that feature built in that kind of slightly gets rid of the point of permadeath i think it alleviates um, it right yeah. so people don't get as pissed off probably well yeah, well, yeah and that's that makes sense it was just an interesting choice being that they already had a mode that you could play without that right i don't know yeah it's like making the same mode twice right but it's also optional right you don't have to use it yeah no it's, it's not just gonna force you to use it at all you get three you start out the game getting three Divine Pulse charges per match. 
So that's the thing is it's optional so, DOM, yeah. so I think that's better. If it right. was like mandatory, then it'd be like a useless mode, right? Because then it's like, what's the yeah. point? But and I get it optional, too. You know. I get it too because apparently what a lot of people did was, oh no, so and so died, and they just power off their system. <laughs> and it's like, well, then <laughs> no, why are you playing on that one mode? rule? Is I oh, said yeah. I will not reset a match just because somebody died, and I yeah. have not yeah. done that. I've only used Divine Pulse. Um, I've quit out of a match because somebody got insta-killed the first shot, and I was like, oh, I'm clearly not prepared for this. So that was reset, but I didn't even continue on with the match. So um, I will say it's made me very uh, cautious and thoughtful about every move. I'm healing people all the fucking time. I won't even let them get you know, halfway health down if I can help it. So that's good. So, it still has that effect on the way you're playing. It definitely has that way. effect, and the it could help his attachment I've made too. It this far, yeah. Oh yeah. The only reason I've made it this far is because of uh, knowing this beforehand and really being thoughtful about it. But cool. uh, yeah, the the bonds that you connect, uh, the way you connect with these characters, um, it is important to keep them from dying because you don't. I don't know what exactly how it would affect the story or whatever, but. Um, I wouldn't want to lose them. So it's definitely uh, changed my play style, I would say, in a positive way because it's forced me to be better at the game. I think the only time I've lost is um, the like very first practice um, match that you do. I lost a couple times just because I was like... it can. It's still difficult to kind of like wrap your mind all, around all the stuff in the game and... Um, be good at it, I guess is the, the simplest way to put it. Just like, you know, know how to attack and how to heal and all this other shit. So um, once I got the hang of it off the practice battle, then um, I was able to become very good at the game simply because I was so invested in, like, literally the strategy of it. So um, it's been a very enjoyable time, and I'll be playing a bunch more and have plenty more to say, I'm sure. So it's gonna be my Christmas. Sorry, I was just. Well, gonna... I was just about to say, definitely recommend it. It's gonna be my Christmas break game. I've already decided. Yeah. It's gonna be a game I pick up in December, and I'm just gonna play through it then. Yeah. So I've been I've been craving like a good RPG on the Switch. You know. Yeah. Maybe something less action based, and then so we got Fire Emblem now, and then we also have Dragon Quest oh, yeah. Eleven coming out on Switch this year, and now. Uh, oh yeah. The first Nino Kuni, which I was always interested in coming out on Switch. Definitely. So it's like there's all of a yep. sudden like a huge influx of bigger RPGs hitting the console, which I think is pretty cool. Well, in Dragon By Quest XI, having that mode where you can switch to like classic graphics is really cool. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that it's is cool. Bullshit. It's like a, it's like that, that Halo mode where you can switch like mid-level. But on and, the Switch, um, it makes sense though, right? Because it's like oh, yeah. handheld. Right. So yeah, the Xbox and well, and that would... or PlayStation. It's a little weird. It's not on Xbox. Sorry. That would probably alleviate my big issue with the whole visual thing. Um, you know, especially, like, the characters not meshing uh, with the backgrounds as well. Yeah, just uh, keep it all one style. Right. It, well, and just, like, the old school kind of, like, pixel art is going to be better looking. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but it's just going to hold up better probably nine times. More timeless. Again. Yeah. Right, exactly, timeless. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to say was that I chose the female protagonist. Uh, yellow? You obviously have male and... F- What's that? Is she the yellow one? 
No, no, no. Okay, so check this out. You choose your... I was laughing at how Fire Emblem fucking loves their uh, blue hair and, like, teal hair. Like, that's throughout anime, right? But Fire Emblem especially has so many blue-haired characters, so you choose between a blue-haired boy or a blue-haired girl, just basic. Uh-huh. And then you have the three houses are led by essentially what would be, like, a prefect in Harry Potter. And uh, so you have... Like the Empire, the Alliance, and the Kingdom, or whatever. And so I chose uh, to go with the the female in red on the cover, Edelgard, who's from the Empire and leads the Black Eagles. And then there's like the Yellow Stags and the Blue Lions. Cool. So, um, Before I hop into what I've been playing, is there anything else you wanted to mention? Um, that was obviously a big deal, and spent a lot of time talking about that. Uh, we also talked a little bit about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood before the show. Um, I'll just say it's, it is my least favorite, uh, Tarantino movie. I see where he was going with it, and I can appreciate what he was doing. Uh, but I think it is, at almost three hours, it's definitely too long, and, uh, was quite bored throughout a solid chunk of that movie. Um, and not just because it wasn't. Tarantino action-packed, um, like Kill Bill, for instance, uh, but because there was literally nothing happening, interesting at least. So, um, fun fact about that movie: I feel like there is at least ten minutes. There's multiple minutes of you watching a character watch a screen. <laughs> so you're watching a screen, watching someone watching a screen Great. for multiple minutes. Multiple minutes in that movie. Just a pro tip there. Um, so yeah, that's how I feel about that. It's a solid film. I would definitely say it's worth watching, but, uh, certainly after the long and drawn out, basically, stage play that is Hateful Eight, I think it's a little bit of a, a misstep. I think I wanted him to bring it after Hateful Eight, and that is certainly not what we got, so, um, yeah, that's my thoughts. Um, yeah, I was meaning to go get see it this weekend, but mixed reception and just me not having enough time to get around to it, I passed on it. And from sure. what you're saying, I'll probably just wait for Netflix for it, more than likely. Yeah, that's how I'm feeling about uh, Hobbs and Shaw this weekend. We're, we're just going <laughs> to wait and see. Uh, in terms of what I've been playing, uh, MTG, Magic the Gathering Arena as usual, uh, Apex Legends, been playing some more Season 2. There's some rumblings that Season 3 they might be releasing... Uh, single player mode which the, uh, the community has been asking for for a while because unlike all the other battle royale games apex legends was built from the ground up for teams of three um so it's going to be interesting with that if they introduce a smaller map or a different map and it's singles right so instead of teams of three up to 99 people it's 100 individuals so we'll see how that goes uh, season 3 is still, I think, a couple of months away. So there's time there to figure out what's going to happen. Um, what else? What else? Uh, there is a game I finished, but I want to talk about that last. In terms of other media uh, media that I finished, finished Stranger Things Season 3. Um, okay. Fell about where I expected. It's, I like it more than Season 2. It, yes. like it less than Season 1. Really enjoyed gotcha. it still, though. Um, We're in agreement. I, yeah. Uh, finished. I wa- the the one show I've binged in a while. Uh, Last Chance You season four dropped, which is like one of my favorite shows on Netflix. Uh, yeah. 
if for those who are unfamiliar, it's a documentary series that follows junior colleges, a specific junior college. It changed from season two to season three to a different junior college. And it's basically when these these really good players mess up at these D, uh, D1 or Division One universities, they get removed from the team and their only way to make it back into Division One is to go to these junior colleges and try to get enough film to earn uh, opportunity elsewhere, right? So it's a lot of kids who come from broken homes or messed up situations and the coach of the team, Jason Brown, is notorious for being an asshole. And he actually, uh, here in 2019, he got fired because he sent a, a, a former player a text saying that it was a player from Germany, that he's his Hitler now. Obviously, that didn't go over well. Uh, and the text messages... Wait, he said, I'm your Hitler now to the Yeah, game? exactly, yeah. Okay. Um, he, he's known for being very brash and arrogant, and he wins games and stuff, but what happens in, in Season 4 is that they don't necessarily end up winning, so I don't want to ruin it if anybody wants to watch it. But at the end of it, obviously the show stopped filming last fall when the football season ended, so this him getting fired happened afterwards, and that was added to the end of the show. So... With season five, it's interesting because we don't know if they're going to be following Independence Community College again, which is the school he coached at, or if it's going to go to a different school because he was a primary reason they got a lot of like the really good players. He's so good at recruiting despite his personality. Last year, they had the number one junior college uh, football player in the country playing for him, and that guy is now going to be playing at the University of Georgia, who's like one of the best college football programs in the country. So right. um, it's only eight episodes. If you're interested in football or just an interesting human story of these troubled kids trying to deal with these asshole coaches, uh, it's it's really cool because it plays on the coach, the players, and then um, some individuals at the schools they go to that really care about helping these kids pass and get a college education, right? So you're seeing it from three different perspectives. And they... They tend to follow a couple of specific players and tell their backstory of their life and everything they've been through and stuff like that. So it's a really good show. Finish that and uh, what's the other thing? Oh, I finished season one of Hunter Hunter. Um, nice. Love that anime too. You're watching that. Yeah, been watching it for a while. Uh, the last episode was just like a recap episode, so there's really much there. But uh, yeah, Hunter Hunter is great. I'm definitely on my list. It reminds me a lot of the Pokemon. Uh, it reminds me a lot of Pokemon mixed with Dragon Ball Z. So it's like Pokemon in the yeah. sense that obviously it's a, the journey of a little kid, and it's about like friendships and stuff like that. But Dragon Ball in the sense that there's a lot of focus on fighting and and martial arts and combat and stuff like that. So, and luckily the battles, unlike uh, Dragon Ball, don't take like four episodes to finish. So that's good. Um, and the game. Can I give a quick shout out, Jared? Good. <laughs> I was waiting for you. <laughs> I forgot to mention. I finished Batman Beyond. Oh, nice. The cool out, the cyberpunk cool out, super shway all day. Batman Beyond, uh, featuring Kevin Conroy as an old Bruce Wayne, mentoring a young new Batman. I can't wait for the day when we get that live action adaptation. It won't, I don't think it'll happen anytime soon. Give but me the Rocksteady video game, dude. Ooh, yeah. Oh, so good. Um, the, one game, the one game Coming I did... Coming out on Blu-ray, at least. That's all I need. 
You don't think that in her lifetime, a live action, or are you talking about the Batman game? The game. Oh, okay. not happen. Yeah, the movie, the way Hollywood works, that movie will eventually happen one day. Uh, whether it's good or not, who We're knows? We're gonna get a cyberpunk Batman something on live action. Yeah, um, movie. I'd say no, but CW show or some shit like that, probably. Yikes. It's Batman. They'll they'll figure out a way to put into something. It'll be it'll be it'll be a Batman Beyond. I hope it's TV. not in an Arrowverse crossover. It'll be a Batman Beyond show, but it actually focuses on uh, what's the Terry McGinnis's love interest in that show? <laughs> His the, girlfriend Dana. Yeah, it'll focus on her, and it won't focus on actual Batman. It'll just be called Dana. Exactly. And nobody will know it's a Batman it's show. Like, what the hell? Um, yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, the one game I did beat is Super Mario Maker 2, quote-unquote, beat, obviously. Ah, nice. Uh, interesting enough, uh, last week I had talked about Jordan that I was, like, what, 35-ish levels in, right, to the 100 levels? Um, yeah. You don't need to beat all 100 to to complete the castle and beat the game and roll credits. It's only around, like, 55 to 60, um, which isn't bad. You can still go and play the rest of the levels afterwards, but it, was, it came a lot quicker than I anticipated. That's what she said. Um, and so after I had rolled credits, I continued playing the levels, and I'm currently sitting in the mid-70s, I think, you know, high 70s. Uh, there's, they're just great levels, man. They're Nintendo designs, you know, Mario levels and all the different themes and styles of Super Mario Maker 2, so it's a blast to play through. Some of them are pretty difficult, actually way more difficult than any other 2D Mario game I've played. Like, they're willing to go there with this game because of all of the tools. And honestly, I think it's also to get people acclimated to the online course environment because there yeah. are super difficult levels there. Uh, so it's really cool because normally, you know, 2D Mario games or just Mario games in general are family-oriented and they usually have a lower end of difficulty. And it was cool sure. to play through these levels that were designed by Nintendo but are pretty difficult. Um, they're not, like, super expert by any means where you're doing Kaizo jumps. Uh, but for Nintendo levels, they're pretty difficult, and you have to get used to the mechanics, and a lot of them are timing-based. Um, but I've had a blast. Uh, my plan is to finish all 100 levels, and then play it whenever I feel like playing user-created levels. Um, but I want to finish all 100 levels. So to me, like I quote-unquote rolled credits, but I haven't completed it fully yet. I want to get through all of those levels because they're just so good. Um... I was going to get Fire Emblem, but then I uh, obviously talked about how I'm going to be getting it around the holidays, um, and I ended up purchasing Madden. I buy Madden every year because I just get so anxious for the football season. Um, last week, I talked about Jordan, how I hadn't touched the face of the franchise or the regular franchise mode yet. I still haven't. I like to wait until it's closer to the beginning of the NFL season and training camp's done because I like to have the fully updated roster. So if a player, if a star player gets traded last second, I'm just very like neurotic about it of like, I'm playing the franchise, but he's still on the team he's not on in real life. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. So I kind of wait a little bit. Obviously, if those trades happen midseason, I'm not going to completely restart. But here at the beginning of the season, I can wait a week or two because there's like currently there's a lot of players trying to get new contracts. They might get traded. There's a running back from the Chargers and the Cowboys who are both trying to get new contracts and they may be traded. So waiting a little bit on so that. So how how like how well do they square up the roster updates? Because the, the players have got to be moving around all the fucking time. Uh, 
NFL players actually don't move around a whole lot once the NFL season starts. The issue right now is that they have like 80-man rosters through training camp, and by the beginning of September, that needs to get cut down to 53 people, right? So it's a 53-man roster when the season begins, but you only suit up 46 people during the game. Um, And very rarely do you see players move during the regular season. It's pretty much just now before the season starts, there's players getting cut, and people will see, oh, this guy got cut from this team. Let's pick him up because a third, the third best safety on one team could be the starter on another team depending on their talent, right? So these teams are sitting there waiting to see what players get cut at camp. So I'm just waiting for that, and I'm going to hop in. Uh, face of the franchise, you play as a quarterback. you got to choose a college, and you go through the college football tournament, and then you start your NFL career. So I'm really excited to see how that pans out. And then franchise mode... They added a system in the back end that's a situation or event creator. So normally people would get bored with franchise mode, but this creates storylines out of thin air. So like it could be uh, Matt Stafford. Uh, Matt Stafford is in contract disputes with the Detroit Lions. Will he sit out the next couple of games? Uh, Aaron Ra- Aaron Rodgers was seen. Uh, get suspended for four-game performance-enhancing drugs, right? Just, like, random events that kind of spice up the franchise that don't make it feel as, like, boring and tedious. You're not supposed to be doing those. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Considering it's the first year of it being implemented, I doubt it's, like, great. But this gives me hope that this is a feature that could get uh, enhanced and refined into the next gen. Right. So we'll see what happens. Right. Uh, nothing else uh, to report Jared, there. Do you watch Internet Explorers? Uh, yeah. So did you see the footage of the 2K players? Oh, the voice acting? About? Yeah. Yeah, where some of the actual NBA players come through and they just read the paper that, or the script, you know, if it's digital or whatever. They just read the words like... Make That's sure what was... that you go talk to coach on a <laughs> weekly basis because you want to make sure that you get better at playing basketball once you're in the pro leagues just like me. That's why with the long shot, I had Mahershala Ali and Scott Porter, and they were, didn't really phone it in, whereas like, that's like, it's obviously a player who's never done any of this in his life, and he's like, okay, just read these words. Hey, how's it going? Really good game out there, dude. You know what I mean? It's just like really bad. Yeah, it's so rough, but um, it's... It's funny that they continue to, like, put the players in it. You know, they, like, get them in the booth. They do the whole 3D uh, scan photogrammetry shit on them. It's like, these guys are not fucking actors, man. It The thing that sucks, too, is those are... Obviously, it's funnier to get the worst of the worst, right? There's some NBA players. Like, LeBron does a fantastic job, but, like, that guy's, like, more sure, than he's been NBA on player. SNL 20 times. <laughs> exactly. Even, you know, movies and shit. And he's also, there's other players who maybe don't have that kind of thing, but they're also more, like, naturally charismatic. Like, uh, uh, Al Jefferson, the dude who's, like, the primary target in the video, is, like, a seven-foot yeah. guy who's not very outgoing. He's very monotone. It's, like, obviously that dude is going to come into the booth and not necessarily give it his all. You know what I mean? So, right. Um, I think that's it for everything we've been playing. Let's hop into the news. Got some quickie news and... No, there's nothing major this week. There's a couple of things I wanted to touch on um, involving sales uh, from Matt Piscatella and uh, from GameSpot. 
But first, let's get into this quickie news. So, uh, this was misreported in headlines because we live in the age of clickbait. Um, it's still really awesome, though. I'm not. I'm not trying to take away from it. But so, as of June 30th, 2019, the PlayStation 4 has shipped 100 million units. The clickbait Dang. came in when there was all these headlines of the PlayStation 4 has sold 100 million units. It's sold. It's sold. Technically, that's not true. It's shipped. Um, right. But obviously, shipped doesn't get the same clicks as sold does. So it's it makes sense why they did that. But the really cool thing about this is it became the fastest console to ever reach this mark. Difference. True. Um, it's the fastest console to ever reach its mark. It passed the PlayStation 2 by just three months. So, it barely you know came in under the hood there, hitting the record. That is super interesting. I'm very glad that you gave that stat, Jared. Um, I, it's going to be tough for it to continuously outpace uh, PS2 from here on out because I don't think you'll see it as... Uh, cheap DVD player sale, you know, like the PS2 was in its later days. Yeah. So, uh, but it is a cheap media machine. I also do think so. because of the age of the internet, we live in an age where I think people feel a lot more pressure to move on to the next system as opposed to like, because there's people who haven't bought a PS4 yet. And I think if they ever get to the point of buying a new console, they'd much more likely be buying the PS5 than the PS4. Um, I think it'll still sell much, much more, but I don't think it's going to beat any other records in terms of total sales. You know, we'll see. Um, yeah. yeah. You also got to think because they kind of, they kind of put it to an end themselves when they announced that, not announced, but shared that PS5 is going to be backwards compatible with PS4. So there's. Whoever read that, you know, that's like one less piece of incentive to buy a PS4 now. Now you might as well wait if you're going to. They also announced their console a year and a half early, technically, through that uh, article, remember, that they did the interview? Mm-hmm. So that was pretty early, too. Your, your yeah. point's really really good, too, that they kind of killed it themselves. Yeah. Um, Plus remember- you got now this threat of, not to get super uh, economic, but this weird tariffs. threat of these like, tariffs that could potentially, you know, skyrocket the cost of all the consoles which is crazy but anyway i think playstation would be most affected because nintendo has already started moving their manufacturing out of china and i think microsoft's already talked about a possible solution and from everything i think all of them will be affected but it seems like playstation might be the one that takes the brunt of it uh based on how yeah, they manufacture their consoles it sucks that in some south american countries they have to pay that much for consoles Brazil for that gets reason. screwed, man. Oh, my right. God. Yeah. Um, there are countries in the world where it sucks to be a gamer, basically. Australia, uh, right? You yeah. Hear. Tip of the cap always to our Australian mates in the outback. Um, but anyways, Damn. the thing about America and Europe and... Hell, even places like Mexico and Canada is they're just not going to sell a console for a thousand dollars or six hundred like they used to. You know, it's like um, they know better than to do that in the biggest markets in the world, and so they're going to shoot themselves in the foot quite that hard. I think they would certainly figure out a situation before it came to that, even if they were getting screwed by uh, you know certain political aspects of the yeah situation. i suspect and, it's a bit not that it's not a real threat but i suspect it's a bit of trying to 
help the public understand the impact, like the literal impact. Because I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, yeah, we need to throw these tariffs on China because whatever the reasons. Uh, but then as soon as they start to see the effect of that and Sony saying, yeah, we might have to pass the buck partially onto the customer and it's going to raise prices. Then all of a sudden people might be like, oh, crap. And then maybe they'll get a little more active or something or like start to pressure uh, politicians around here maybe. And the thing is, is that, that well, not to get too political, but there's an election next year, and exactly, yeah, and yeah. So the, I, I, my assumption would be by the time the new gen consoles come out, there the tariffs won't be in place. Is my maybe. assumption, but who knows? Uh, but the so, fact that all three of the big, all three of them, Microsoft, uh, Sony, and Nintendo, came together to like talk to the government about like, hey, don't do this. I think. The more it gets closer to it being an actual possibility, the more we're gonna try. To, we're gonna see those corporations try to strong arm them and be like, "Hey, dude, we bring a lot of business into the American economy. Like, sure. don't screw us. Sure. We'll see what happens." It's interesting. There is something to be said. I mean, to get political, I guess, but in a more general sense, there is something to be said. I think that you know, most likely, the reasons to place these tariffs is not for altruistic reasons of like, <laughs> oh, they're they're being exploited <laughs> in China, and therefore we have to place these tariffs. It's probably more of a business thing, right? But the fact of the matter is, the reason that our consoles are made in China is because they do exploit the people to such an extent that they're able to play them essentially like a slave, and we're reaping the benefits. I know that we all know this, and this is nothing new, but there might be something to be said for the fact that, like, hey, Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, whoever, you might want to think think twice about this. And, and maybe they all have ultra-humane practices, although I shouldn't say that because they don't have... They're going through Foxconn or some third-party country for right, this manufacturing, right. so they don't have the total control over it. And we do know that places like Foxconn are the ones that have the nets outside for suicide jumpers and shit like that because the situation is so fucked up so it may be um, like I said something that the big three want to think twice about as opposed to just saying no no this is going to screw us up and we're going to have to place this on the customer it's like well maybe you need to figure out a new solution yeah, and with anything like this, I suggest people to do the research themselves and figure out how sure. you personally feel about the tariffs, how much it will actually affect you as an individual, and right. also figure out why, do some research and figure out why they're placing these tariffs and understand that, like you said, it's not necessarily for altruistic reasons, and right. it might not even be in the best interest of the United States if you do proper research, so that's that. Yeah. In another hot topic, uh, this is breaking news today, and hot topic. I know we're not necessarily people who watch a lot of streams of people playing video games, but this is huge news. Yeah. Um, Ninja announced that he's going to be exclusively streaming on Mixer starting today, August 1st. Um, this means that he automatically loses his Twitch partnership. They already removed his verification on the website, um, because the way Twitch works is if you're a partner, you can only stream on Twitch. Um, that's why people who are partnered with Twitch, you don't see them streaming on YouTube Live or Mixer. Uh, the details of Wait, his... could you do, like, Instagram Live if you were a partner? Interesting. Like a non-gaming stream? Probably. I, I, I IRL shit? But you could stream on Mixer or uh, YouTube, YouTube Live without doing gaming. 
So I don't know. That's, that's a very good question. I have no idea. True, true. But I don't know if live. I don't know if Instagram Live can be monetized while you're live. You know what I mean? Whereas Mixer and YouTube Live okay. can be monetized as you're streaming. Who knows? Good points. Um, the actual like deal hasn't been uh, revealed yet of how much money he got paid. It was probably quite a bit because the result of this and the reality is that he's going to lose a large portion of his audience, right? That's a given. Right. Him moving to an, another platform is going to cut his audience more than half. Even if he was moving to a more popular platform, Jared, it fucks you because tons of people just don't want to migrate. They exactly. don't want to move. They don't want to pick up their things and take them with them and go somewhere else. I think... I think because obviously Mixer is owned by Microsoft and Microsoft has a lot of money. I think this is they realize that in order to compete with Twitch, they have to make these type of moves because they've tried advertising. They've tried all these other different avenues and it hasn't really worked. And honestly, like I I know some people can be kind of pissed off about this, but to me, this shows that Microsoft is one of two things. Either they're in a sense of desperation for the platform and they really need to make major moves or, and it could also be the same thing, both of these things aren't mutually exclusive, they're really committed to making Mixer a competitor to Twitch, and they understand that this is the only way they can do that, right? And Maybe. I'm all for competition. Like, I think Twitch, you know, people like to talk about Disney being in a, mon- a monopoly, yada, 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 I get that argument. No right. one really talks about, like, how much a monopoly Twitch has become in the online marketplace in terms of streaming. Um, obviously, right. that has a lot to do with Amazon <laughs> owning them and having Glad all the resources Amazon has. So any competition is great. And, you know, YouTube Live hasn't really been able to compete with Twitch in terms of gaming. I I think this is good. I think Ninja probably got a life-changing amount of money. I think for someone like him that has the audience he had, I'm, maybe I think that check was probably pretty big. He did announce it in a yeah. really cool way. So he released a Twitter video of him going out and doing a press conference but it was him as different characters in the crowd asking him, like, the FAQ of what people are going to ask why he's moving, gotcha. right? So it was, like, him dressed as, like, a really dorky guy. It, it was, it's a really well-done video. Um, and he, apparently so, he's been sitting on the news for a while, which is, it's... Just just before we get too far away from your point about, like, it good, being good to have competition and Twitch being this kind of weird monolith in the game streaming... Uh, area I just want to say I think that Twitch's video player sucks ass <laughs> it is fucking awful it is so bad especially like when I'm just over here cruising on YouTube it's playing 1080p video no problemo and then over on Twitch it's struggling to stay in HD and not buffer constantly and just buckle it's like it's ridiculous and I've tried it in multiple different browsers with different combinations of extensions and not and just you know I've I've done everything you could possibly think of and it's just it does not function nearly as well as YouTube and I understand that um, it may be ridiculous to expect such video performance uh, from a company that isn't that can't be nearly as large at this point uh, but it just sucks man and if- that's that's what you're doing when you're on Twitch is watching videos. If there was medals handed out for extremely large websites with bad video players, I think that Twitch would come in in bronze, and then I think Facebook and Twitter would have a fight for silver and gold. 
Twitter's yeah. video player is awful. It's yeah. I garbage. mean, like, I remember I haven't used Facebook uh, other than Messenger really in several years at this point, but um, I think Facebook video has probably gotten better. It seems like they were they've been pushing that a lot as a company, but. Um, most websites other than YouTube if they have their own video player it just sucks dude yeah the encoding is terrible like even from somebody who like designs uh, graphic designs and stuff the image compression on Twitter is not great too so like when you now upload a YouTube uh, does not have a necessarily a leg to stand on when it comes to compression either oh yeah but that's probably yes. how they <laughs> pump out video like the way that they do but it does. It, it's almost sad to see how uh, compressed videos look on YouTube sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, you know, we're not the streaming guys, but Ninja moving to Mixer is huge. Whether it flames out and nothing comes of it, that that could happen. But I think it's going to be really cool to see over the next couple of months how this affects not only Mixer, but Ninja as an individual, you know? Um, mm. Oh, yeah, so shout-out Ninja, a uh, fellow Detroit Lions fan. But... Um, I'm with you, Jared. That more competition is good, because um, I don't know. I'm starting to I'm starting to see these examples of like Twitch not like not being disciplinarian uh, yep. enough of a disciplinarian <laughs> on their streamers. So I'm of two minds of this, where it's like it highlights the value of in certain sh- specific streamers and like how they you know they bring in a lot of money to these uh, streaming sites. So sometimes you only ban them for three days when they do something horrid um but if we can create more competition and there's more streaming sites then potentially we can start you know people start ditching twitch as viewers um as a result of that i don't know i I don't know how it would work out in that sense but that's that's the kind of thing i'm thinking of uh going into this story and the thing is like people can hate twitch uh twitch ninja for being cringy or or playing fortnite or all this stuff but the guy is really good at business and marketing himself, and he's he knows how to be family-friendly, and he knows how to be good for a brand. And I think that's why he... Because there's other Twitch streamers who are as popular as he is, but he's like somebody you want to partner with if you're Microsoft, right? You don't want to go to Dr. Disrespect as you know as somebody who yeah. should have gotten suspended for longer. That's just, the conversation. There's too many... It's a different conversation. Too many. People throwing cats and like dropping N-bombs and going in bathrooms or whatever it is, it's like, I, I mean, if I own a platform and it's easy to say this because I, I'm not, you know, I'm not re- or beholden to shareholders and stuff, but if I own a platform, I just can't imagine like letting that shit go down um, and letting kids watch this stuff um, and these people that sometimes act really, frankly, fucking despicably. But, and it's, <laughs> it's partially because it's the right thing to do. And it's also that you're giving power to, the people on your platform and you're surrendering that right. so and the more and more you do that the less leverage you have right so exactly because the next guy's going to do something worse because it's not really punishable apparently. exactly and then you can get into legal battle of like well if this if x person did y and i did y slightly different then how come i'm yeah. getting yeah it's a whole thing um let's move on from that congratulations <laughs> to ninja on your giant check you have hopefully you buy the lion someday um, oh I'm man, please do. Yo, my love is a uh, video game. Always, always down for people getting their due and getting a new paycheck. Uh, last couple of quickie news stories here. Uh, so the MPD released a new study that shows that 31% of U.S. households lack a broadband connection. 
uh, and most of the percentage comes from rural markets, which isn't surprising. Um, but it's just hard, like hard, a hard number on. We have this conversation all the time about the streaming future. How much of the U.S. actually can handle that? Thirty-one percent of U.S. households don't have a broadband connection, which is slightly higher Dude. than what I thought. I thought it was like twenty-five percent. I would have thought much less. Yeah. yeah, it's way higher than I thought. So, living in Tennessee, where there are obviously multiple big cities, but there are also very large swaths of rural areas, right? Um, I happen to work. Uh, out, I live in Nashville, but I work outside of the city. And uh, where I work, dude, it is, it's ridiculous how hard it is to get a decent internet connection out there. Um, and essentially what happens is, you know, companies like Comcast, for them to give you like a solid internet connection at where you're at, they want you to pay for them to install it yeah. at whatever spot you're talking about. So um, that is wildly expensive multiple so, thousands of dollars to put that into perspective i would say tennessee and i don't know i'm speaking a little bit ignorantly here but i would say tennessee and michigan are probably less rural overall than new mexico i think new mexico as a state we have not that high of a population there's oh absolutely there's there's pretty much three cities here that you can get like and we're just speaking about streaming. If you wanted to be a streamer, there's only three cities really you can do that in New Mexico. That's Albuquerque, which is the major city. It's Santa Fe, which is the capital, but it's actually smaller than Albuquerque. And it's Las uh, Cruces, which is near Mexico, and it's where New Mexico State is, right? Literally, almost anywhere else in the state where you where you live, it's almost impossible to get decent internet. The city I used to live in, the city I was born in, Las Vegas, New Mexico, the best internet speed, the best internet speed you can get is 10, uh, 10 down, one up. Damn. Yeah. yeah. The best. When I, like I said, when I go to work in this rural office, I'm on my phone hotspot just constantly because it's unlimited and so I'm not worried about it. Yeah. And it's so, so far beyond actually using uh, the internet connection uh, there that you can get. So it's just ridiculous, you know. What were you going to say, Don? Oh. I do know I read – I don't know the extent of it, but in Michigan, there was some bill where basically the government uh, was handing over a big check to – I want to say it was Charter or maybe AT&T or maybe all the ISPs to basically subsidize expanding their networks. Because apparently – so instead of asking you know the specific uh, people in Dude, those areas snowy states, to front it. It's got to be a thing. Yeah, that's that's another thing, that, another factor too. But So yeah, I guess at least in this case, I'm a – I'm of two opinions about it, but they're not asking the specific residents of those areas to front all the bill of getting them that's uh, good, yeah. connection, but instead they're taking it from everyone else um, yeah. in the form of tax money. But So, I mean, it's however you feel about that stuff, but <laughs> the end result will be um, it's expanded, right? So that might be what it takes because um, we're getting to the point where it's not really fair to people that live in those rural areas to ask them to pay, you know, five times or 20 times as much to be able to get the same speeds or whatever it is when internet is becoming right. more and more uh, reliant uh, for us yeah. to fucking live. That seems sounds extreme, but it's getting to that point, right? Well, then it's the argument of people who don't even use an internet connection for their own livelihood. Should we force that on them too? And it's like, you know. It's a whole discussion, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Politics. I, I do think, though, I would say no more than 20 years 
at least America, if it doesn't, you know, completely crumble, let's say, uh, I think you'll be looking at a situation where, you know, let's say 97% of the country is pretty much good to fucking go with a solid inter- internet connection. Yeah, so I think a big part of it is, like, the demand isn't there, because we have, you know, I mean, there's going to be a lot of older folks who don't have internet, never needed it, don't want it, don't care, so, like, when ISPs yeah. are trying to, you know, determine, like, is it worth going out there, and people are like, I don't care, I don't need it, so as generations uh, die off, um, I think, you know, the younger generations are going to drive higher demand for internet, uh, even in more rural areas. And there's also the argument yeah. that, like, you know, there, in terms of population, we're seeing a lot more people move towards the edges of the country, right, and less in the middle. Like, there's a lot of states there in the Bible Belt and up towards, like, the northwest that are losing uh, severe amounts of their population year over year because it is a younger demographic that are moving to more urban locations. And there's an idea that in the next 30 to 40 years that the way the United States will be set up is that all of its edges and coastlines will be where heavy amounts of the population are and a lot of the middle parts of the country will be where there's uh, agriculture and all of that stuff because in order to meet the population of the country we need to develop a stronger sense of agriculture and and upkeep and all that stuff it's a whole conversation for another day um it's the the way the the country is going to evolve we're going to go red dawn and end up having to fight for our lives who knows um the last bit of quickie news real quick uh congratulations to kyle buga Giersdorf, who was a 16 year old who won the fortnite world cup Uh, he took home three million dollars because he won the solo tournament um about 1.5 after taxes yeah i was just gonna say he's (laughs) in for a treat with that (laughs) fucking christ Hey, bud, we're just going to take half of that real quick. See ya. Trump has to go golfing this weekend. Um, oh. <laughs> I'll get political. I don't care. Um, but still, as a 16-year-old getting $1.5 million, that's really awesome. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Really cool. Kudos to him. Uh, let's get into these last couple of news stories. They're nothing too major, just some sales figures. So the first one, uh, Nintendo Switch hits $37 million sold total. So as of June 30th, the Nintendo Switch has sold through 36.87 million units, getting really close to matching or topping the Xbox One. Obviously, we don't have official numbers, but it's assumed it's around 42 mil at this point. Um, How sad. Uh, the top. So the really cool thing about this article is that they updated the top-selling games for the console lifetime. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to do it one of two ways. First of all, Dom, you have a tendency to see these lists before. Did yeah. you see this one? I, I did. I only remember like the first two or three, but okay. yeah, yeah. So Jordan, we're gonna do this one or two ways. Do you want the title and you guess the amount of copies, or do you want the amount of copies and you guess the title? Whew. Copies. I'll guess the title. Okay. So at number five, this one sold eleven million units. And I'm sorry. This is a Switch game. Switch game, and these are all first party. Oh. I was okay, going to say, is that's it... That's what I needed to know. That's what I needed to know. also the 11th uh, entry in the series in Mortal Kombat? Okay, so this no. is just first-party titles, how they've sold thus far on the Switch. You're talking about number 10. Number 5. One more time. Number 5. For number, five. Uh, number 5. 11 million. 11 million. Okay. I'll give, so you, I'll give you another Mario hint. Kart, I'll give you another hint. On this list... If there's multiple versions of a game, they oh, mush them together. Oh, I just... Oh, okay. 
Pokemon, let's go. Yep, coming in at 11 million, number five. Number four. Big hint. Number four. I will say that this was higher on the list, but it's fallen off a little bit. 13.6 million units. Mm. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild? Yep. So remember, obviously early Nailed on, it. it was had a higher than 1.0 attach rate, right? It was like... Dude, it was yeah. crazy hot <laughs> when that was like the only Switch game for a little yeah. while. Um, number three... That and Snipper Clips. Number three, this one released... Uh, it didn't release this year. And it didn't release in... It released in 2018. 14.7 million. Okay, I think I know one and two... Wow. Ah, fuck. Oh, man. I mean, it's obvious uh, the last three. I'll give you this. It's, right? it's one of the two multiplayer games on this list. That should be a hint. Yeah. But it released last year, so it's Smash Bros? Yep, 14.7 million. Number two. Boy, I thought that was going to be higher. Uh, number it's two, newer, though. So yeah, it'll it'll eventually get up there. Number two, uh, fifteen million. This is my favorite Switch game. That dead giveaway right there, dude. I'm like locking up on what one of these games is. What was uh, what was another one of the uh, early games on Switch that everyone picked up right away? Yeah, many moons ago. Maybe not early oh, on Switch. Duh! And that's a big hint, Dom, because that's <laughs> Mario Odyssey. Shit, I didn't think yep. it was that obvious. Super Mario Odyssey, fifteen million, and number one at eight, almost eighteen million, seventeen point nine million units. You know Mario what it is? Mario Kart Eight Deluxe. Yep, which is gonna have some tough competition because that Garfield Kart Racer was recently announced. Jesus. Oh, Jesus Christ. Dude, I was blanking on Mario Odyssey. I was like, what is the other big Switch game? Not surprising, the top three selling games in it are all the Mario titles. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I just wanted to go over those because I thought it was cool. Uh, and then, if you think about all five of them, Jared, they're all just like, uh, you know, Nintendo staple, legacy staples. Yeah, Pokemon, so- Zelda, Mario. Sword and Shield will be in this list in a couple of years. Uh, it'll pass Let's Go for sure. Um, Probably next for year. sure. Yeah. Fuck Let's Go. I think by this time next year, Dom, I think it'll likely, yeah. it'll probably be number five or somewhere in yeah. there. Yeah. Do you think, even though they're doing uh, Switch Lite that's uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield limited edition, which I personally appreciate, um... Do you think that they did a yellow light switch light just because it's coming around coming out around the time of a Pokemon game? No. That's one of the three colors. Oh, like the Pikachu thing? Possibly. Yeah, to like connect people's mind to Pikachu, obviously. Yeah. Matt, I hope I hope they have a dope switch for Luigi's Mansion. I hope it doesn't get some like crummy uh Super Dude, Smash Bros. Uh, Ultimate Switch. Sorely disappointed like... at both the Switch Lite colors and what we've been treated to with Joy-Cons. They, 
they could be knocking it out of the fucking park, and I'm just not seeing it. So, so really, we'll see. really quick before we close out and say where we're going to be playing, I wanted to go over this quick list that Matt Piscatella dropped on Twitter out of nowhere. He listed the top ten selling survival horror games of all time based on dollar sales. So remember, this is based on dollar sales, not units. So, okay. uh, number ten, Resident Evil. Number nine, The Evil Within, not counting Resident digital. Resident Evil. Uh, Evil Within at number nine, not counting digital sales, um, which is important to note. Number eight, Dead Space 2. Rest in peace. Number Ooh. seven, this is good. Ouch, Jared. <laughs> number seven, RE2 Remake. Already in the top ten. Uh, wow. Number six, Red Resident Evil 6. Number five, Resident Evil 7. Number four, the original RE2. And this is funny. So you'll see now the top three are all more action than horror, but they're still technically also survival horror games. Number three, Dying Light. Number two, Resident Evil 4. And number one, Resident Evil 5. So, okay. wow. yeah. That shows you, A, how popular Resident Evil is, and Resident B, how, how niche uh, the survival horror genre is that one franchise makes up, like, eight of the ten spots. It also and shows you if, how loose If you were to be like, what are the other is. survival horror franchises? Yeah. It'd be like, uh, Evil Within and Dead Space? Outlast. What were you going to say, Dom? Oh, the, the definition all... of survival horror. It's, yeah. So it's based on the MPD database, so it's how the publishers list them, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get it. And I there's mean... not anything that you could say is even close to survival horror that was that's big enough to be on that list. Exactly, yeah. That wasn't on that list. Like Outlast you could say, but it's probably not yeah, big enough to be on that. Nowhere list. close, yeah. Um I think the one surprise I do have is Dead Space 3, unless that game wasn't categorized as a survival horror. You know what I mean? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, who knows, dude. That game was bad, but it sold really well. More action. Um, and I think that the sales probably dipped. Do you think they were more they for three? They sold more for three. Uh, Dead Space 3 was the best seller of the franchise, yeah. Then why? Why have we been forsaken? I don't know, man. That's why a- have we been forsaken? Ask EA why we don't have a Mass Effect remaster trilogy yet. I'm still crying over that. Skate. Um, Ask EA why we don't have any Switch games. Skate for. <laughs> right. Um, anyways, that's it for this week's show. In terms of what we're going to be playing, Super Mario Maker 2 for me, more Madden 20. Uh, I have, what, 26 days till Control comes out. So I'm going to try to oh, tackle right. Gears of War 4, so I have that beat by the time 5 comes out. Oh, we Control, baby. Well, the crazy thing is Control comes out the 27th, and then the first uh, Man of Madon uh, comes out the 30th, which I'm really excited for, too. Ooh. Yes. Uh, that has Maybe a lower price point, too, which is which is awesome. I'm glad that game's on e- 60. Even right now, it's like 25 bucks on Amazon. Yeah. So that's like, I'm even more hyped to hop in. Um, I was going to hop into the new Wolfenstein until I saw how much of a garbage Wolfenstein. can on fire it was. Um, that's pretty oh, much yeah, it. For- I want to try that. That's right. That's pretty much it for me. Uh, what about you, Dom? What are you going to be playing? More Red Dead? Red Dead. Going to go see John Mar... I can't even begin to... John Marston. John hey, Marston. Arthur, you want to come play some Red Dead Redemption? <laughs> uh, anything else to note? Nah. Uh, Jordan, more Fire Emblem? 
Fire Emblem Three Houses indeed. I'll be uh, playing the old Tree Houses. Um, and then shout out to uh, Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. I'll be watching some of that. Um, that's the one that's getting a Netflix sequel. And it's also the only Ghost in the Shell property that I have not yet experienced. Uh, I've seen the movies and the Arise uh, prequel OVA series. Arise. Um, Ghost in the Shell Arise. Uh, that's, I, I enjoy Arise. Um, obviously, the OG movie is fantastic. Um, sequels, interesting. It's, it's not terrible. I don't think it's too bad. Um... But this is so far uh, pretty damn solid. Um, I think it's an early 2000s series. Uh, the Major, who's the main female protagonist, looks like uh, Jared, you'll understand, Psylocke. I guess, Dom, do you know who like Psylocke is? Olivia Munn She's in... X- uh... Yeah, Olivia Munn played her in X-Men Apocalypse. She's an X-Men character. Yeah. Um, she's she wears a purple suit and has like a energy like a halo energy sword as an arm when she no, uses no. no I don't yeah well you're just you're just <laughs> not going there for X Men I uh, that's, I know that's Jared this is the guy who asked that. me who Professor X is yeah. Whoa, that's at crazy. one point yeah um, so yeah but anyways uh, she basically looks like Psylocke it's a little much um, if you know what Psylocke looks like um, with quite a lot of skin hanging out. And that whole like purple suit thing going on. Hold on, real quick, um, Dom, especially Dom. Do you even know who Olivia Munn is? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I've heard the name and I might recognize her, but she no. used to host. You didn't watch the... Attack of the Show back in the day, bro. She was the girl who yeah. hosted Attack of the Show with Kevin Pereira. AOTS. Half yeah. Asian, half white. I'm thinking of X Play, so no, I don't know. Attack of the yeah, show. it's basically like X Play and Attack of the Show were the the things back on G4 in the day, man. Yeah. I don't... Anyways, go ahead. Right over the head. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure if you even know who that was. That's what I wanted. Whoo! Testing Dom's nerd uh, horizons here. Um, so, her look is a little much with the whole Psylocke deal, especially when she's, you know, like, she's with a special ops police force who are in, like, street clothes and they're all dudes. Um, but, you know, it's it's definitely got the Ghost in the Shell vibe. They're going through, like, Laughing Man stuff, which is, you know, certainly something that I'm familiar with. You would be if you are a fan of uh, the Ghost in the Shell franchise. Um, about ten episodes in. So, it is, um, you know, cool cyberpunk shit. I... We'll have to see how it goes if this ends up uh, where this ends up on my list uh, within the franchise because uh, the movie is the original movie is obviously you know a classic it's incredible and uh, Arise is great so um, still not sure how I feel about it but I just wanted to shout it out and also a big old shout out I just finished uh, season one of Dragon Ball Z. Um, the show Dom hates. Which just <laughs> it's just another, another thing. Another area of Dom's uh, expertise that I just can't get down with. But um, 
I love this show, man. I think that I'm certainly recognizing more now, first time watching it as an adult, I'm recognizing that it is a lot of dudes charging up and screaming at each other in battles, um, which is the classic, you know, kind of cliche joke thrown at Dragon Ball Z, but nonetheless is super accurate. Um, but especially having gone through the 150 plus episodes of Dragon Ball and the movies and such, you really have these like character um, connections down in your mind on such a deep level because you've seen them do so many different things that it's uh, very um, intense, you know, emotionally. So, uh, shout out to Dragon Ball Z. That's probably even a little bit more than Pokemon, maybe about the same, but those two series is definitely where my love of anime comes from, so just a big old shout out to Dragon Ball Z. You know, if you're not a lover of it, Dom, I can't help you, but uh, Kamehameha. Dom doesn't have time to watch Dragon Ball Z. He's going to be too busy watching Pennyworth. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're going to watch Young Sheldon, too? Just do, like, spinoffs of shows that nobody gets a fuck about. You know, to your earlier question, though, uh, Jordan, we got an Alfred Pennyworth show before we got a Batman Beyond show. Just let that sink in. Isn't well, that's not true because Batman Beyond is a show. No, 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 no. You stumbled upon something great here, Dom. I do not appreciate the distinction between live action and animation as if animation is this subpar, you know, like underdog, back alley bullshit. Batman the Animated Series, as I was mentioning to you guys this week in our chat, is probably my favorite series of all time, full stop. There's no animated, live action, nothing. It just is that good as a television program, and it doesn't need to be real humans in makeup talking to each other. It's superb anyways, so there we go. Thank you guys for listening to... I I don't disagree. Thank you guys for listening to episode 153 of the Control of the Church Gamecast. If you can, please follow us on iTunes, leave a review. It helps us move up in the algorithm, the oh-so-dreaded algorithm. Uh, if you go to YouTube, search Control of oh, the Interest, we'll pop up. Subscribe to us. If you hit the bell notification under the videos, it lets you know whenever our new videos come out. And give the video a like. That also helps with the YouTube algorithm, another dastardly system. And uh, on Twitter, if you can, please follow us at CTRLINT. That's Controlled Interest abbreviated. You can follow me at Jared underscore. You can follow Dom at Dom's Oreos. And you can follow Jordan at Mellow Modus. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye.